This podcast is sponsored by GoToMeeting at GoToMeeting.com. You're listening to Success Unwrapped with Heather Vale. Welcome to Success Unwrapped with Heather Vale, the weekly radio talk show where we unwrap and reveal the secrets that successful people use, and you can too. Available at SuccessUnwrappedRadio.com. These days, if you're in business or even if you just want to share some ideas with your friends or your family, sometimes email and voicemail just aren't enough. But there's a new solution, GoToMeeting's Web Conferencing Center. It's kind of like you're all in the same room together as you're sharing what's on your computer screen with them. If you want to try it out for free, you can try it for 45 days just by going to gotomeeting.com slash podcast. That's gotomeeting.com forward slash podcast for a free 45-day trial. And it just might change the way you do business online. My special guest this week is Roseanne Dossilio, executive coach, psychologist, human performance specialist, and best-selling author of numerous business and personal development books, including Wake Up Your Call Center, Humanizing Your Interaction Hub, and Lay Your Cards on the Table, 52 Ways to Stack Your Personal Deck. Roseanne is known as the practical champion of the human, and her work focuses on both business and personal achievement for a balanced life. Roseanne, thanks so much for being here with us today. It's my pleasure, Heather. Could you let us know how exactly you came to be the practical champion of the human? Yes, thanks. Uh, for many years, more than I want to say, I've been in corporate America, uh-huh. and I find that most of corporate America, when I worked at a company or when I showed my own company, was made up of automatrons. They were, they were really nice people, but they kind of went into automatic, their eyes glazed over. And as the Internet began to evolve, and, well, it actually started with answering machines and then voicemail, and then we got the Internet, and then we got email. And so the human is being pushed further and further into the background. And I'm going, hey, we the people are what makes a difference. Not the technology. The technology supports us. Now, I have all the technology, so I'm not against technology. What I am against is using the technology instead of the person. And so I kind of speak at conferences and say, let's get some balance here. I love to be able to call up and do everything on the phone automatedly if it's something simple. An example would be, uh, we're just coming out of winter here in the Northeast, and if there were a power outage, I would call my electric company, and I'd get a message that is totally recorded. Push one if you want to report a power outage. Push two if you see lines down, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And if I'm reporting my outage, and they come back to me and they say, we're aware of the problem in your area, and you will have your electricity back on by noon today and let's say it's 10 o'clock in the morning, I hang up. But if they say, we're unaware of the problem in your area, I hit zero pound, I want to talk to a human. And I think I'm pretty typical. So I go back to the preamble to the Constitution of the United States that says, we the people 
And I say, we the people are what make the difference. And so I've gotten a tagline that people say, I kind of wake them up and wake up the human in them. And I think that's how Champion for the Human came to be. (laughs) So how can we find a balance in our lives when we're all surrounded by this technology? We're getting bombarded by advertising messages, thousands of them a day. How can we actually find that work-life balance? It's much harder than it used to be because the lines of demarcation have blurred. In other words, it used to be that you worked a nine-to-five job, you left your job, you went home, and maybe you had a second job if you were family-oriented, either male or female with children or chores or places to go or things to do. But now, because of email and back and cell phones and, and blackberries and all those new technologies, the lines are blurred. The project follows you home. The cell phone can get you 24-7 unless you turn it off. And so with all those blurring, we are more stressed than I think we ever have been before. Mm. As a matter of fact, there's a statistic that came out of the Center for Disease Control that says, I forgot, it's about people who die under, from under the age of 65. And the first statistic is very low. It's maybe 9% and it's because of war or accident. And then there's another statistic about the wrong medication or the wrong uh, hospital or what have you, and that's a, in the teens. And then there's another one that has nothing to do with lifestyle. And the kicker, and I use that word literally, is that 52% of people who die under the age of 65 do so because of the way they choose to live their lives. Hmm. So that's good news and bad news. The bad news is that's a really high statistic. And the good news is, is that it's about choice. And I believe to answer your question circuitously, that the way we have work-life balance is that we need to proactively choose it. First, we have to notice we don't have it, and then we have to choose to have it. Hmm. Okay. Now, you mentioned stress, and in your book, Lay Your Cards on the Table, you do talk about stress, and you say we need some stress. So how much do we need, and how much is too much? Good stress has a really funny word. It's called eustress, E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S. And that's the kind of stress we need because that's what gets us out of bed in the morning and gets us to get dressed and do what we need to do to be functional. When stress is out of control, then it is literally called distress. But in today's world, we use the word distress and stress interchangeably. So how do I know when I'm out of control or stressed out more than what I need to get me going for the day? I'm I'm worrying. I'm not sleeping well. I'm maybe I'm have insomnia. Maybe I have uh, heartburn. Maybe I, I have physical signals. In other words, the body is going to tell you when something is wrong. So the first thing we have to do is listen to our body. Now, I'm not talking about overdoing exercise. That's not stress. 
I'm talking about when it feels like we're out of control, off the wall. We know when we've crossed that line. And that line isn't, it's okay, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon if you're not feeling X. Everyone has their own personal barometer, if you will, within them mm-hmm. that says, maybe I need to stop here. I'm a little overwhelmed, overloaded. All the overwords, mm-hmm. overloaded, overtired, overwhelmed, sometimes overweight, whatever, whatever it is for, for you, you know. And in that place where you know, that's where you have to say, wait a minute, I need to stop and I need to do something in my own behalf. So maybe it's to sit and take some deep breaths. Maybe it's to get up and get a glass of water. Maybe it's to call someone to have a conversation outside of work. For me, it's almost like I, I, I could be working on a project and all of a sudden my head kind of, kind of just explodes. I know it's time to take a break. Hmm. So it isn't about never having distress in your life because part of the human condition is to stress out. Before I became an industrial psychologist, I was a stress management consultant. And one of the things that I've learned and share is it doesn't mean I don't get stressed out. It means the amount of time that I'm stressed out, out of control, off the wall, is shorter and shorter because I do use the tools that I talk about because I believe I walk my talk in that area because I don't like what, the way it feels to be stressed out. Kind of a related emotion to stress is worry. And I find that worry is a big stumbling block that a lot of people put in their own way without any reason to do it because they don't actually accomplish anything by worrying. They just get their stress levels up. Now, you talk about productive worrying. What is that? That means to be proactive about about worrying. Take 10 minutes, time yourself, and use that time to worry if that's what you need to do. And I think it was Mark Twain who said, worrying really works. Everything I ever worried about never happened. (laughs) (laughs) Which I think is great. So there are ways to worry productively. One of them is to set a time of day aside, and usually nothing happens that hasn't happened before. So there's someone that you could go to about a problem, or maybe you could read something about that particular issue or whatever it is that you're worrying about. Most things that people worry about are keywords. I call them keywords. They're projections. If we stay in the moment, in the now, in this moment where you and I are speaking, there is no worry. I might get off this call with you and I might worry about this or I might worry about that. But if I stay present in the moment... I'm not worried. Hmm. And I think that's true for everyone. Yeah, worry tends to be about things we think are going to happen. Yeah. So if if I stay right here, right now, it's quite possible that I won't have to worry about anything today. (laughs) Because it's something that's going to happen in the future, whether the future is in 10 minutes or 10 days or even 10 years. And if I'm going backwards into my past and I'm worrying about something that already happened, I can't change the past. The only thing I can do is change my attitude about the past. So attitude and choice are very, very freeing words for me. Yeah. 
What's the story behind this book, Lay Your Cards on the Table, and the reason why you packaged it with a deck of cards? Okay. Uh, I wrote the book mainly because of the stress levels and just what you were asking me about work-life balance out in the world. And I felt there was a need for it, especially in the corporate world. And so I wrote the book, and my publisher published it. And I like the idea of having a deck of cards. And then someone said to me, you know, if I had the deck of cards, I could give a card to someone who I thought needed to hear this today. And I said, or you could carry it on your on your person in a pocket. You could put it at your workstation. You could post it on your refrigerator. You could put it by your computer screen, and some people don't want to carry a book around with them, but they will carry a card. Some people pull one card every morning, and whatever it says, they do it for the day, or they use it in support of their day. So it's just two different ways to be able to support yourself in new behavior. How did you pick the four main areas of the book? There's inspiration, humor, attitude, and work life. For me, that's what balance is about. I can be very intense, so I need humor. Attitude is very important. And work-life balance we've already talked about, so I think we need to be motivated. So I tried to balance the book so that people could have balance also in their life. Yeah, it's funny, too. We talk about work-life balance, and I know that a lot of people put it in two separate categories. This is my work life. This is my personal life. But in a lot of ways, when I was reading the stories in the book, what hit me was these can apply to both. It's almost like our work life and our personal life come together sometimes. How do you see it? I, I think you're right on. I think that the better we take care of our personal life, and our personal self, the better able we are to approach and respond to our professional responsibilities. And I think that there's a fine line between the two and that they cross over now and again. And I think that my Lay Your Cards on the Table, what I call my orange book, is even though I wrote it for corporate America, I, I don't think that's who it's for. I think it's for people, for a person, not for a company. And I think that whatever is in here feedback that I get is that it's touched people's lives. And I had a really interesting thing happen to me when the book first came out. I had just gotten a copy of it. The publisher sent the book to me at whatever venue I was speaking at. I was in uh, Norfolk, Virginia. So I saw the book for the first time as the audience, and I had only a couple copies with me on the plane on the way back. And I got on the plane, and I'd just spoken, so I don't always talk to anybody on a plane, and I'm used to traveling alone. And I'm sitting down next to silver-haired ladies, elderly ladies. And I'm going through the book. And I may have mentioned to you, maybe I didn't, but on page 97 in the book is a poem called Smile. And there's a picture of a little girl there, and that happens to me, my granddaughter. Hmm. So I was going through the book for the first time, and I saw, her name is Lauren, and I saw Lauren's picture, and I went, oh, my! And I showed it to the woman sitting next to me, and I was showing her that this is my granddaughter, not showing her the book, per se. Yeah. <laughs> and she read the poem alongside of it, and she said, oh, this is so nice. And I, she said, did you write that? I said, I wrote the whole book. She went, oh, my, could I look at it? 
Now, I sell a lot of my books online, and my publisher sells them, and they're on Amazon and in the bookstore. So I don't ever get feedback unless someone actually takes the time to write or call me. Mm -hmm. And I do have people do that. But I was like a fly on the wall, and these two little little old ladies were, oh, my, oh, look at this. Oh, so-and-so would love to read this. And I was there listening to what they were saying, their immediate response to the book, and I loved it. Hmm. And they bought several, they bought the, all the, I just had two copies with me. They bought both of those copies because they wanted to give them as Christmas presents. Wow. And that was even before the, the cards. I like the cards myself, which is why I get the cards. I like the cards too. A man told me he didn't like the bag the cards came in. He thought I should put it in a masculine kind of bag. But I, <laughs> lots of men buy it and they don't seem to have a problem with it. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's kind of a, for people that haven't seen the bag, it's kind of a wedding-type reminiscent. Yeah, it's like an organza pull-string bag. Yeah, white and fluffy and, and shiny, and, <laughs> and <laughs> it's, it's lovely. <laughs> well, I didn't want to do shrink wrap, because once you open the cards, how do you keep them together? Yeah. I don't want a rubber band on them. So I thought, what can I put them in? If I put them in a paper deck, they're going to get frayed because you're opening it all the time. So I thought a pull string would be really a good idea. And so I went looking for wedding favors. That's how I actually got to the bag. <laughs> but what I'm thinking of is, do I then get a burlap bag for the men? <laughs> I don't think so. No, they can the, take it the out of the bag. The house would have a hard time fulfilling that. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Now, you've used a lot of acronyms in the book, and I like acronyms, too, because they're easy to remember. Yeah. What does the acronym SODA represent? Oh, that's a good question. Do you, th you know, I have to tell you, Heather, I've written several books, and I'm in the process of writing another book right now that's due on uh, Monday. And after I write them, I, except for this book, I don't really read them. You forget. <laughs> I don't read them. I'm on to whatever's next. But I want to answer you. So it is about work-life balance, really. It's about all the things that come in. For example, how do we simplify our lives? What could we do one thing today to simplify and one thing tomorrow to simplify? And then how can I organize? What can I, what can I do to organize myself, my day, my household, Usually, we multitask a lot. So how can I organize it so it flows smoothly? And delegate is, who can I, well, in, in the new words today, are outsource, but I can say, who can I delegate to? If I'm home and I'm running a tight ship because I work full-time and I have two children and I have a husband and I belong to the gym and I also play tennis, and I lead a busy life, what can I delegate? If I've been the, you know, the cook and the bottle washer and the preparer and the shopper and the cleaner, what can I either outsource or delegate? Could maybe one of my kids take Monday and Tuesday to prepare a meal? And could someone do the laundry one week? And could someone do this or that? And, and what can I automate? And one of the things that I like to automate is my mail. 
whether it's email or snail mail. I put it in the order of first, second, and third class. So I don't waste my time. I get a lot of mail and I get a lot of email. And so I, you know, I look through and I think we all do it, but I want to take ownership of it so that I'm at choice rather than at the effect of it. And so what I want to do is get myself so that I'm running what I would think of as a tight ship because it makes my life easier. And then I can have some quote-unquote spare time to either sit down. I like to watch movies. That's one way I go out. So I could sit down and watch a movie. Or I could I do um, Tai Chi. I could go to my Tai Chi class. But I can't go to it when I'm still thinking of all the chores that are not complete. So maybe it's having a list and having people sign up. I used to ask my my husband to have two nights that he's responsible for. Even though on Sunday I'd cook a lot for the week, he would also cook for it. Or he'd say, okay, we'll go out to eat those nights. I didn't like that idea because then it was spending money that maybe we didn't necessarily have. So you have to look at and negotiate with yourself and with the people in your life. What's going to make your life easier? The goal being that you have more what I'm going to call quality time. Hmm. Because I don't think we have enough quality time in our lives. You know, sometimes I have a conversation. My daughter lives in the D.C. area, and sometimes we have a conversation that has no meaning to it whatsoever. It takes me back to when my parents used to call me every Sunday at 5 o'clock. How are you? How are the kids? How's the weather? How's work? Talk to you next week. And I could just leave a recording. Uh, You know, like there's nothing meaningful there. Yeah. And I'm about quality and meaningful. So I will organize so that I can have that. That's my goal. And there's some balance there. Because the quality helps me then approach work the next day much better than if I'm just going from work, eat, clean up, sleep, work, eat, clean up, sleep. You can get Roseanne's book, Lay Your Cards on the Table, at successunwrapped.com slash layyourcards. That's successunwrapped.com forward slash layyourcards. And I hope you've enjoyed the first segment of our interview. But it's not over. There's a full 200% more than what you just heard where we delve deeper into these success principles. To unwrap the full interview and get lots more tools for success, just sign up to become a Success Unwrapped member on any level you choose at successunwrapped.com slash members. This has been Success Unwrapped with Heather Vale. Be sure to tune in to the next edition of Success Unwrapped, helping you to unwrap and discover your own potential for success. Until next time, keep unwrapping. I'm Heather Vale. This podcast is part of the Blueberry Network at Blueberry.com. That's spelled B-L-U-B-R-R-Y dot com. 